In a sick market, is there a healthy asset? You are listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Some real estate investors are discovering that medical office buildings offer a healthier prognosis than other assets in the current market. This is the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. Joining me today is John Sweet, a managing director at Ziegler Healthcare Real Estate Fund, to discuss why medical office buildings are considered a healthy and stable asset in the current economic downturn. Mr. Sweet, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Well, what's going on in the real estate sector in terms of medical office buildings as we speak? Well, medical office buildings as a subset of uh, office building group has become uh, increasingly more popular over the last, I'd say, six or seven years. And one of the reasons for that is that medical office buildings tend to have and maintain a pretty high occupancy rate. There's not a lot of turnover in those buildings. Doctors tend to uh, stay put because their patients get used to visiting them at that location and Mm -hmm. uh, it's important to stay there. All right. So how can we take advantage of that? Are there REITs out there that are publicly traded that we can buy or did we already miss the boat? Because uh, if we're talking about it, it's already too late. The the big money's already in it. Well, no. I mean, I think the, the entire real estate arena has been hit fairly substantially, 20 to 30 percent over a course of the last six months, and in particular the last three months, and healthcare real estate funds, and there are about 15 publicly traded healthcare REITs out mm-hmm. there that have had experienced some downturn, and uh, there are some opportunities in it right now because the fundamentals haven't changed. It's just that they got tagged along. Right, so guilty by association. They've been brought down, and there may be some real value there. If we turn the clock back seven years, how good of a, an investment would it have been to buy one of these REITs? Would it, would it have been a good return, an incredible return, or uh, just a grand slam? I would say it would be a, a considerably above the norm in terms of returns over a seven-year period leading up to, again, the last till about June of this past year, you probably saw compounded returns in excess of 20% annually, which includes a combination of both appreciation and the value, as well as dividends. REITs as a whole, if you look at them over a longer period of time, have traditionally had about a 7% annual dividend and about a 3% real growth. Mm -hmm. So it's been about a 10% producer. But in the last seven years, and in particular healthcare, you've seen a, a fairly significant growth pattern in that area as, as the value of medical real estate properties increase fairly substantially. I mean, 20% is, is a pretty nice number these days. Who is investing in these buildings? Is it just the Joe off the street through the REITs? I mean, who are the major REITs? And tell me a little bit about that if you can. Love talking about my competition, but uh, Healthcare REIT, which is out of Toledo, is on the New York Stock Exchange, has been a very strong producer for a long, long time. The Healthcare Real Estate Investment Trust is an all-encompassing term which tends to include senior living as well as medical buildings. Uh-huh. A pure play in the medical side would be a REIT called Medical Properties Trust. And then the largest, I believe, of all of the healthcare real estate funds is Healthcare Property Investors, HCPI, also on the New York Stock Exchange. And they have, I think, about 10 or $11 billion worth of assets. And all of those are, are pretty well managed and run 
and pay fairly substantial dividends in the 7-plus percent range. The fund you manage, I I take it, is not publicly traded? It is private. It is private. It is a private fund, yes. So how do you do compared to these guys? Well, because we've only been at it for the last three years in building our private funds, which are in limited partnerships, we haven't really had a chance to test the water, shall we say, in terms of the valuation. But we've been able to generate cash returns to our investors in excess of 7% annually in the last three years. And we, we hope that we can continue to do that on an ever-increasing basis because most of our properties have pretty long lease terms in them with annual increases in the rent, which are usually tied either to a percentage or to a, a change in the CPI now. For the first time, we may see the consumer price index going down. So we do have floors, though, so that we don't see our rents diminish. So from that standpoint, we have done relatively well. In um, Prior to starting this, I was one of the uh, folks involved in the creation of a public REIT called Windrose Medical Properties Trust. And that particular REIT we've, we took public in 2002, and in 2000, end of 2006, it was sold to Healthcare REIT, the large uh, Toledo mm-hmm. organization. So I've been on the public side also. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host, and I'm talking today with John Sweet, a managing director at Ziegler Healthcare Real Estate Fund, and we're talking about why medical office buildings are considered a healthy and stable asset in the current economic downturn. John Do you think next time my lease expires and I have the opportunity to perhaps buy a condominium in the next office building, should I do that instead of continuing to pay another 10-year lease? You might. Really all depends on on a number of factors. For instance, I do know that condominiumizing medical offices is, is a little bit more prevalent in the southeast and in the southwest where there's high growth areas and maybe you, you'd want to have more than a single office in a particular in different markets within your, your area in order to capture a larger portion of the patient base. On the other hand, you may be in better shape if you wish to be a, a tenant in a larger medical, multi-tenant medical office building in which there are opportunities for patient referrals and other things within that building so that the interactive interactivity of your practice and other practices may be beneficial to what you're doing. Those are considerations that need to be made. But having said that, we encourage in any buildings that we acquire, whether they be a multi-tenant or just a couple of tenants in the building, that the physicians have a portion ownership along with us. Have some skin in the game. Skin in the game, because for us, it means that there's a high probability that when their lease does come up for renewal, that as an owner, they probably are going to renew. On the other side is that in the event that it comes a time when they no longer continue practicing and they need to have an exit strategy, how do they get out of their investment? Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have to resell or sell the building or refinance it. We'd be in a position to buy out their interest. Mm, that's nice. That is, that's a very nice, sweet thing from John Sweet. I should, <laughs> I should entertain that next time when my lease expires. There you go. All right, well, let's get back to the markets and money. We talked earlier about the healthcare REITs that kind of got brought down by the entire market being brought down. 
If you compare it to other real estate REITs, have they fared better, even though they've still come down some? Absolutely, they have. Their balance sheets were very conservative in terms of the, the level of debt that they had on their, on their books. Because medical leases tend to be a little longer than in a lot of other asset classes, for instance, office buildings or apartments and other things where you have one, two, and three-year leases, it's pretty common to have five, seven, and 10-year leases with with medical facilities. And with that means there's a stability to the building. Mm -hmm. The lease is coming up for renewal or spread out. And so you have less of these circumstances that we're experiencing today with some of the large office REITs that were built on speculation, where they haven't leased up at the rate that the developer thought they would or they were put up with short-term money that's now coming up for renewal and with the vacancy factor so high, it's tough to get them released. Those are the issues that are driving down a number of the larger REITs. The medical buildings tend to be built against a built-up demand. You don't see development of medical buildings on spec very often. Right, so there's not a lot of speculators out there that are building medical office buildings. There hasn't been, and it's up from a lack of trying. It's more to do with the fact that even in the go-go days of the banks lending to anyone, there's something about the medical industry the banks aren't quite sure of. They don't understand it particularly well. Mm -hmm. They feel it's a little tougher to underwrite. So a developer coming in and saying, uh, I've got my building, I'd like to build a building here, and I have 80% of it leased up, that's what gets financed. It's coming in and saying, this is a hot area, there's going to be a lot of residents coming here, and we know a lot of doctors will be coming here, and we'd like to build this building. That doesn't get financed. So what, what I'm hearing is that there's an opportunity right now to put money into these REITs, that we are at a at a pretty good time, and that these publicly traded companies have been undeservedly been brought down. Is that a fair statement? That's a fair statement. And I think if you look at, there's a list you can go to within NARI, which is the National Association of REITs, and they will list by group and you can pull up their site and then go to healthcare REITs and you can see their grouping of publicly traded healthcare REITs. And if you just kind of kick through them and look at their dividends, I think you'll find that the average dividend, and I, this is coming from the hip here for a mm -hmm. second because I, I haven't looked lately, is probably somewhere north of 8%. Wow. You're getting 8% to weight and the, the potential that it'll rise in value also. Right. And so you, you said earlier that some of those REITs are kind of mixed in with assisted livings, and I, I don't think I'd really be interested in that because that industry is just not done well. You would think it would have done well, but it just hasn't. So to find that pure play, can you mention those REITs again? I would say healthcare REIT has a, well, they do have senior living in there, but you'll find that they have a, a pretty strong medical property portfolio. Medical properties trust is another one. Healthcare Property Investors, HCPI, Healthcare Realty Trust. And if you look at these, uh, do you want to find one that has the least amount of debt? Does that matter? The answer to that is yes. And typically the healthcare REITs have about 40 to 50 percent, mm -hmm. maybe somewhat lower. I think healthcare REIT has about 35 percent debt on its books. So these are not overly leveraged, you know, three to one, four to one, things like that. This is less than 50-50, and they tend to be long-term financings that are in good space there. So 
I would say that that's some of the ones I would look at. John, are there any cautions to be wary of? Some people say that healthcare REITs are totally recession-proof. Is that true? Well, I don't, you know, I think we've all learned a lesson over the last few months that not ever, there's nothing out there that never say never. So we, as a firm, besides being in real estate, are, are very active in, in the capital markets, having been around for over 100 years, raising financing for particularly for both senior living and for non-for-profit hospitals. And what we're seeing in the market of late is that that companies, in order to save money, are to some extent changing their benefit packages and putting more of the onus of health insurance on the backs of their employees. And with that has come a slowdown in the number of elected procedures that are, or services that are being done Secondly, we're seeing that as the as the employee is expected to pick up a larger portion of the copay of his insurance, that the bad debts at both the hospital and the physician practice levels are, are starting to grow somewhat. And then the other thing is that in an effort to reduce costs, a number of plans have moved out of the PPO world and moved into more of a managed care model. And with that has come lower reimbursement to the provider. And so there is a little stress on it out there. Having said that, it certainly is still a very, very strong industry and and, and one that we feel confident will continue to grow. So going forward, would you say that the trends are that there will still be investment in healthcare real estate? There will. There's been a cycle that hasn't played itself out, but has had a significant amount of play. And that is that the hospitals themselves owned an awful lot of medical office buildings, primarily on campus, but also off campus. We've seen the hospitals monetizing their ownership in those, meaning selling them off to third parties, or as they built new ones, having third parties build and own the properties. And so that's been going on for about five or six or seven years. Depending upon what happens with the whole concept of physician-owned hospitals, specialty hospitals, acute care hospitals, and other things, we, we certainly believe that there will be more and more development of new medical facilities that are state-of-the-art that can do a much more efficient and better job of providing care to, to people, particularly as our population ages. So we're very enthusiastic about that. And we think that more and more services will be provided on an outpatient basis, leaving the acute care hospitals to the severely ill. John Sweet, thank you very much for talking with me today. My pleasure. John Sweet is a managing director at Ziegler Healthcare Real Estate Fund, and he joined us today to talk about why medical office buildings are considered a healthy and stable asset in this environment. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which now features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. You can also reach us by phone by dialing 888-MD-XM160. And thank you for listening.